from the Allen Samuel Studios. This is the John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas, the flagship station for Baylor Athletics. Boy, it is a short bench, short roster for the Bears, really. The magnificent seven with Baylor playing seven players. The John Moore Show is brought to you by Amanda Cunningham, Coldwell Banker Apex Realtor, by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, your friend in the car business, by the Baylor Club at McLean Stadium, on the web at thebaylorclub.com, and by Diamore Fine Jewelers, 4541 West Waco Drive, where Waco gets engaged. No team in the history of the Big 12 Conference has won a Big 12 football championship, men's basketball championship, and women's basketball Big 12 championship in the same year. No team has done that. Baylor's about 13 minutes and 57 seconds away from accomplishing that. Well, I think uh, um, I just saw a a tweet that that the best uh, uh, football and basketball programs in the country are Baylor, number one. And you look at... uh, all the resources and all the alumni and all the traditions that so many schools have and it's so competitive and uh, you just see how God's blessed uh, Baylor University and um, it's his platform and hopefully we can Now, from the Allen Samuel Studios, this is the John Moore Show on ESPN Central Texas. Good afternoon. Welcome. Welcome one and all to the John Morris Show for a Tuesday afternoon. John is traveling today on his way to Kansas City, Missouri for the Big 12 Championships. I'm Tal Barfield in for John, and we appreciate you being with us today. we got a lot to do, and Aaron Sexton joins us as we get uh, ready to talk sports live and local just the way you like it here uh, on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. And uh, a lot of a lot of Baylor news to uh, to get to, a lot of Baylor information that we'll uh, we'll share with you today. Also, there's some incredible NFL news coming out today uh, with the what is it a 200 gazillion dollar contract for Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> yeah, it's a, I'm still looking for the exact details, but it's just he signed a two a four year 200 million contract extension, which. We were talking about it. And now, Rogers tweets that he has not agreed to or signed a new contract. Uh, Yahoo Sports say, well, obviously Aaron Rodgers would know better than Yahoo Sports, but yeah. Well, Ian, I'm Ian, not sure about that. Ian Rappaport says four years, $200 million, And we were just talking about, we were just talking about um, that before how people were saying it was going to reset the quarterback market. And I was saying, it would have to be at least $50 million a year to do that because Josh Allen just signed one last year for $45 million a year, and now that's what they're reporting, but now Aaron Rodgers is denying it. Now, the Packers uh, have been held hostage the last couple of years, and now I don't – well, and you know, again, he had one year left on his deal, uh, so he, he can hold him hostage again next year if he wants. And where's the outrage? You know, I mean, I've seen tons of other players that when they want more money or they want to, you know – get traded out from the team that they're with, you know, there's, Just a, it there's was, so much gnashing of teeth, but you don't hear it with Aaron Rodgers Last two years has been nothing but threats. Yeah. Nothing but threats. And, you know, last year was part of that deal was uh, Gutekunst, the, the GM didn't keep me in the loop. Well, you're, you're an employee. Right. And I, and I know what's 
anyway. And then, if that's not enough, how about Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos? Is that the last piece for the Broncos? I, they're they, they're going to be really good with him. I'm a big Russell Wilson fan, and it gets them close. But you're in the AFC. You've got the Chiefs. You've got the Bills. <laughs> and I don't know that they're even with Russell Wilson. They've jumped a bunch of teams, but I think they're probably hey, even the, in their division. You got the Chargers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's and you've got. Don't forget about the Ravens. Yep. You know, I mean, they're really good. So I mean, they're they're probably in the top five in the AFC, and if things go right, they have a chance to get to the Super Bowl now, which they didn't, but it's going to be a tough road with all those teams in the AFC. So, so that, and Pittsburgh that, may still trade for a quarterback. You put a quarterback on that team. Yeah, well, they've got to do something. With their weapons and their defense, and they're going to be a really good team. So, so that deal's kind of settled, but then you go back to the Green Bay thing, and of course, that's the one thing. Well, it, it, So now all of these media outlets – uh, are reporting the trade, yet the participant in the trade has said that he hasn't signed anything. That doesn't mean that they haven't agreed to everything. I mean, they could be they could have agreed to all of the the uh, things that are going on within the uh, within the trade. He just he just tweeted out that he has not signed the deal. You got to believe it's a done deal. Right. I was about to say there's a difference between not signing it and it not being finalized and verbally agreed to. Yeah. Ian Rappaport uh, just tweeted 200 million over four years with a record 152 million guaranteed. Now, Rodgers does announce he is returning to the Packers. Uh, So it's, it's, he's playing word games like he did when he said he was, what did he say? He didn't say he was vaccinated. He said he was inoculated uh, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Just yeah. word salad. Yeah. It'll come out. Honestly, I I trust Ian Rappaport's, I trust Ian Rappaport's reporting on this more than I do whatever he says. So the Packers have said this is our guy, even after drafting a guy a year ago. Yeah, so now you've got to, tr- I mean, they're obviously going to trade him. They're going to get nothing near first-round value for him. Just a terrible decision all the way around. You alienated your starting quarterback. And how how has the and, and we don't know until we see all the particulars, but what is this gonna do to the salary cap? And I know that the first year they said it may actually lower the cap, but in the long run, what is this gonna do to the Packers cap? They better go win, that's all I can tell you. Mm-hmm. And like next year. So anyway, there you go. There's there's a lot of NFL news going on. And uh boy, that'll that'll be interesting. I'm sure Matt Mosley is just salivating at the, over lives, all of this he lives for days like this oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely so uh he'll, he'll he'll be all over that uh cowboys do put the franchise tag on dalton schultz how about that one a little surprising i mean dalton schultz is he's he's got great hands and he catches everything you throw to him but and he finds a way to get open in the end zone which is a great trait characteristic for your tight end but he doesn't have breakaway speed. He doesn't make big plays. hes I don't think he's a top steady. five tight end. He's yeah. steady. <laughs> he is steady. I don't, I don't know that, why, that you put – I don't understand why you would put that much into Dalton Schultz and then cut Amari Cooper. I know I, – I don't know. 
Well, we're going to find out what the plan is. They've got a master plan. Don't you dare forget yeah. that they do have yeah. a master it, plan it's, there. It's, it's, uh, it may be a train wreck. Give but Dalton Schultz a lot of money and cut Demarcus Lawrence and, and, and Amari Cooper. Tried to get him to take a pay cut, and he wouldn't do it. Of course not. Would Team you, guy, huh? Would you? Well. Pay <laughs> me. If I want to be there, I would. Yeah. But anyway. All right. Uh, let's uh, – yeah, again, John is on his way to, to Kansas City. The uh, Bears will play on Thursday. Uh, Baylor women will open on Friday. So uh, Big 12 tournament is here. One quick note, uh, on Friday, the Baylor baseball game, because of the potential for inclement weather, has been moved from uh, an evening game, a 6.30 first pitch, to a 3 o'clock first pitch. So keep that in mind. And because we'll have – the Baylor women's game here on ESPN Friday afternoon. The uh, Baylor baseball game will be over on our sister station, Fox Sports Central Texas. So uh, let's keep that in mind. So, but we'll give you all those details as the week unfolds here on uh, ESPN Central Texas. All right. Uh, Baylor head basketball coach Nikki Collin is one of 10 coaches in the running for the 2022 20, in the running for the uh, the uh, Naismith Women's College Coach of the Year honor, the Atlanta Tip-Off Club, made that announcement on Wednesday. In her first year as the head coach of the Baylor Bears, uh, she went 25-5 uh, and in the regular season, and uh, they won their 12th straight regular season Big 12 championship. So congratulations to Nikki Collins. She's one of the finalists. Uh, South, South Carolina's coach is in there. Uh, Louisville's coach is in there. Uh, Kim Mulkey from LSU is part of the is part of the semifinalists. There are ten semifinalists, and and Nikki Collins one of them. That's pretty cool, though. Uh, the job that she has done, and w- w- I don't know. I'm sure that John has talked about it, and I know Matt has. But man, we we we've, we've talked about it a lot on the morning show, the award winning morning show, heard weekday seven to nine here on ESPN Central Texas Game Time. Uh, Aaron, again, this is a this was a basketball team that started out, and I know they got beat by some good teams, but they they were Big Twelve games on the road, but they started out zero and two, and they were steering zero and three in the face. Somehow found a way to, you know, to miraculously pull out the Kansas game, and then flat went on a run. Yeah, and uh, I, I was lucky enough to be able to attend the game Sunday where they clinched the outright Big Twelve title, and they played a little video, and that video started with the ESPN, you know, talking heads. Mm-hmm. Um, say you know it showed the Big Twelve standings at the time with Baylor at the very bottom at zero and two and saying strange to see that wasn't yeah and that's how the video started and then it kind of worked through the season highlights all the way up to them clinching their sh- the share of the Big Twelve title and then of course uh, the outright they got with the win over Tech. All right, uh, so the congratulations to Nikki Collins. She's a finalist for the uh, Naismith Award. James Akinjo and uh, was named the uh, Big Twelve Player of the Week. Uh, Kendall Brown was uh, along with Tanner Groves from Oklahoma. They were the uh, co-newcomers of the week in the Big 12. So congratulations to uh, to those guys as uh, they uh, just continued to uh, rack up awards. Uh, Baylor's Nalissa Smith was the unanimous choice for the Big 12 Player of the Year. How about that? Uh, again, uh, just a tremendous, tremendous season, uh, regular season for Nalissa Smith. And, and, and it, look, what'd she do Sunday? 35 and 20 or something like that? I mean, just just unbelievable numbers. Jordan Lewis became the third straight bear to, to claim newcomer of the year. Uh, so the Alabama uh, graduate transfer averaged 11.8 points at 5.2 assist. And uh, she uh, was named the, uh, the newcomer of the year. So some really cool things. Uh, Sarah Andrews garnered second team honors and a queen 
and uh, Queen Egg Bowen and, and, and Jamie Asbury were each named Big 12 honorable mention. So a lot of neat awards, and, and rightfully so. When you win, you're going to get those awards. That's just how it works. Those those That's just kind of how it rolls. All right, so here's what's coming up. Wednesday, it's the play-in game, if you will, for the men. It'll be 8th-ranked Kansas State and ninth ranked West Virginia. Uh, and then on Thursday morning at 11.30, Texas plays TCU. That's the four versus the five. At uh, 2 o'clock, it'll be Kansas versus uh, – the game one winner, which will be Kansas State or West Virginia. Uh, and then at 6 o'clock, it's Baylor and Oklahoma. And at 8.30, Texas Tech and Iowa State. So that's how the uh, Baylor, uh, the, the uh, Big 12 men will, will get things rolling. On Thursday, it will be Texas Tech and Oklahoma State on the women's side, along with West Virginia and TCU. Uh, then on Friday... The early game, the 11 o'clock game, will have Oklahoma and Kansas. The 1.30 game is Baylor versus the uh, Tech-Oklahoma State winner. At 5 o'clock, it's Iowa State versus the West Virginia TCU winner. And then at 7.30, it's Texas and Kansas State on Friday night. And that's how the women's tournament will get started in Kansas City. So there you go. Uh I, it, so that's kind of a look at what's going on basketball-wise. 13 minutes after 3 o'clock, this is the John Morris Show, brought to you in part by DMRA Fine Jewelers. Well, let's go get some gays. This is a Fox 44 weather update. I'm Chief Meteorologist Michael LaPointe. It'll be partly cloudy tonight. It's going to be a cold night with some patchy fog developing right along I-35 and then areas off to the east. Low temperatures drop to 26 degrees and lots of sunshine tomorrow. It's going to be warmer with a high of 62. Join me every weeknight during Fox 44 News at 536 and 9. For your forecast first, plus check out fox44news.com for any changes in the weather. Baylor Baseball. All season long here on the home of the Bears. ESPN Central Texas. The Bears stay on the road, headed to Abilene Wednesday to play Abilene Christian. 5.45 for the warm-up show, 6 p.m. first pitch, Wednesday versus ACU. Coach Rod and the Bears all season long here on ESPN Central Texas. Have you ever been stranded on the side of the road? The next time it happens, call Big Boys Record Service to get you and your ride where you need to be. You can count on Big Boys Record Service to help you with roadside assistance, such as when your vehicle won't start, you need a tire change, you've locked yourself out of your vehicle, or when you're stuck in the mud. No job is too big or too small. They do it all. Family owned and operated since 1984. Big Boys Record Service. Call 254-662-3031. And remember, slow down or move over. John Morris here telling you all about my friends at Marineland Boating Center, home of Crest Pontoon Boats and Yamaha Outboards. They have boats in stock for immediate delivery. Enjoy days of fishing and family boating fun from Crest Pontoons, powered by Yamaha Outboard Motors. Only at Marineland Boating Center, I-35 at Loop 340 South, or on the web at MarinelandWacoYamaha.com. Your home for Baylor women's basketball is ESPN Central Texas. 
ProStar Rental is the number one choice for all of your equipment rental needs. No matter the project, they got you covered. Plus, their friendly local staff is always available to answer your questions. They have a large selection of quality equipment available to rent for any project, big or small. And they have eight locations across Texas to serve you, including locations in Waco and Belton. Visit online at ProStarRental.com for more info. ProStar Rental. They make work easier. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Ward Weinch with your ESPN Central Texas Sports Center update brought to you by Twisted Creek Ranch near Hamilton and Comanche. Find them at twistedcreektx.com. Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley has been suspended for at least the 2022 season after gambling on games in 2021. Cowboys have asked Demarcus Lawrence to take a pay cut. So far, he's rejected the idea. Cowboys also said they'll not use the franchise tag on Randy Gregory. Instead, they'll use the tag on tight end Dalton School. Jim Littell will not return as Oklahoma State women's basketball coach next season, the school announced. He will coach the Big 12 tournament this week in Kansas City. Despite the MLB lockout, Mike Capps, the voice of the Round Rock Express, on with game time this morning, was asked if baseball will be affected in Round Rock. Absolutely zero, I'm proud to say. Uh, we're going to start April the 5th against the El Paso Chihuahuas and play 150 game season. Sports Center, every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. minutes after three o'clock 317 this is the john morris show john is traveling today he'll uh rejoin you tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock from kansas city and the john morris show by the way is brought to you in part by diamore jewelers amanda cunningham coldwell bankers alan samuels dodge chrysler jeep ram fiat your friend of the car business the baylor club and kaleo wealth manager all right uh 18 after three o'clock this morning on game time uh we had a chance to catch up with shahan jayaraja from cbs sports talking baylor and big 12 basketball and we welcome into the program from CBSSports.com, Shehan Jayaraja. Shehan, good morning. How are you? We appreciate your time this morning. Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks always for having me. Let, hey, let's begin with basketball, and let's begin in the Big 12 because, you know, it's that's where we work and that's where we live. Uh, this is – it's postseason time, and this is going to be fun. Just how much stock do you put in – the Big 12 tournaments, particularly for the Baylor men and the Baylor women who, you know, let's face fact, they're, they're probably already kind of got their situations figured out unless there's only, you know, unless the Big 12 men, the champion, you know, if it's Baylor or Kansas, does that decide a number one seed? Yeah, I mean, I, I put very little uh, stock, honestly, in the in the Big 12 tournament. It, the Big 12 has always been a league that's prioritized the regular season. You know, for whatever reason, I mean, sometimes you talk to other people in other leagues and, and they put a lot more stock into the tournament, but the Big 12 has always been a has always been a regular season league. And the other thing, too, is that I think that Baylor's in good shape. You know, I, I don't think you want to lose the first game, especially since, you know, as a two seed, you're going to be playing likely the seven. Uh, but, you know, if you get past that game and then you lose in the second round, I don't think it hurts you. You know, I mean, maybe it can be a slight advantage to Kansas if they go through and win the whole thing, but uh, but I think that Baylor's spot is pretty much secure. You know, I mean, they're higher in the net rankings. They're projected higher in most brackets, uh, especially with the way that Kansas kind of ended the season. I think that people like the way that Baylor's playing right now. Uh, and, you know, so I, I think that Baylor's resume is set. You know, you look at Ken Palm, they're still number two in that ranking. So 
Yes, again, you don't want to lose, I don't think, in the first uh, the first game of this thing, but to lose in the second game or something like that on the second day and have some time to rest up, especially hopefully to try and get LJ Cryer back at some point before the tournament, I, I think that they're in good shape. I think their resume is set, and so I don't think that, uh, you know, Baylor's ever won things, so certainly if they were able to go and win the thing, I think that's, that's nice just from their perspective, but I don't put much stock at all in whether Baylor has success in this tournament. On the men's side, is this a two-bid league as far as one seeds are concerned? I mean, is it Baylor and Kansas or, or, or Baylor in that one spot? I think that Baylor has the upper hand right now in terms of getting a one seed just because of, again, how many Q1 wins that they have, uh, you know, obviously winning the conference, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but, you know, Kansas is, is probably right there. They're, they're probably just half a step behind. It's possible, like you said, if, if Kansas were to go through and win the whole thing, that maybe they have a case for a one seed. But I'd probably put them, you know, in the number five, number six overall seed right on that two line. Uh, you know, it's, it's really tough for, for one conference to get two one seeds. But I do think that Baylor and, and Kansas are kind of – in a position to at least compete for that. It, you know, like you kind of mentioned uh, in, in the Sports Center update, you know, Gonzaga, Arizona, they're in really good shape to potentially be right there. Auburn's a team that's going to be competing for one of those one seeds, uh, Duke, Kentucky. So there's there's some options, I think. But, you know, again, I think that if either Baylor or Kansas has a really good showing in this tournament, it could kind of, uh, it could kind of give them a chance to, to have two one seeds from the same conference. How much different is this team from last year's team? Oh, I mean, well, completely different, right? I mean, you know, you lose four starters, of course, you lose some key bench people too. And they've completely rebuilt it in a completely different image, right? Because you look at last year's team, last year's team was so guard-driven, right? You have these three guards who, you know, two of them are are NBA draft picks. Macy Oteague also, you know, is going to, I think, be playing in the NBA within a couple of years. Uh, And, you know, this team is so much more wing-driven. You know, you've got Jeremy Sohan, you've got Kendall Brown. Obviously, James Akinja is kind of the uh, the guy who holds it all together, but this is a team that really is dominated by their wings. Matthew Meyer would be another one of those. Even Adam Flagler, I think you could consider one of those. So I, I think it's really impressive that they've been able to rebuild their entire kind of identity based on the roster that they have. And, and that's something that I think Scott Drew does not get enough credit for. You know, I, I did a story on him before last season uh, in kind of their opportunity to run back their potential championship team. And one of the things that, you know, whenever you talk to people around him, you talk to his assistants, you talk to whoever, I mean, he is so flexible. He wants you to, to go and get the best players that you, that you can and then figure out sort of the details of basketball later. He's not somebody who's trying to recruit to scheme. He's not somebody who's only trying to recruit a certain type of player. Uh, you know, he's trying to recruit the best talent that he can that, that fits personality-wise within the program. And I think that's shown. You know, I mean, again, to, to have a team that was Jerry, buttons on Mitchell driven to all of a sudden one that's Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan driven. I mean, I think that's a testament to how creative he is as a coach. I think it's a, a testament to how well the coaching staff has game planned. And, and so, you know, when, when you look at these two teams, right, I mean, if, if Baylor were to somehow go and win the national championship, you know, this isn't Florida 06, 07, where it's that same team coming back and doing it. This is basically Scott Drew putting together two national championship caliber teams. So uh, it's very impressive what they've done. And, and yeah, I mean, these, these teams are so different. Nikki Collins team. Uh, and again, that, that resume, that body of work is secured them a, a, a top seed. And so th- this big 12 tournament for them, basically the same type situation, I think. 
Yeah, no, I think so. I think it's more of an opportunity for them to kind of just build some rhythm. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, they, they lost the first two games of Big 12 play, and they were the first team since I believe it was 2000 to lose the first two games of Big 12 play and then win the Big 12. So, you know, they've, they've really found their rhythm in a lot of ways. And I think that's just what this tournament's going to be about. And, and I'd say the same for the men, too, you know, it's just kind of work some things out, get some guys some playing time, you know, create some opportunities for yourself. Uh, and I think that that's what it's going to be on the women's side, too, especially with the women. You know, I think that they would also really benefit from not playing too deep into the tournament because they are a shallow team. You know, you're only really playing six or seven players on most nights. So I don't think you want to overdo it. I don't think you want to overload Melissa Smith. Uh, and so I think that, you know, if, you, if you're able to win a game and then kind of bow out, uh, I think you feel fine about that. Going into the tournament, not the Big 12 tournament, the NCAA tournament, you're talking about that depth for the Bader women. Will that catch up with them as they go through the tournament? Do you think that that's something that they really have to be aware of in getting minutes and straining, uh, spreading those out as much as they can? Yeah, I think that, uh, especially on the women's side, you know, the gap between you know a one seed and a 16 seed is still very significant and even a one in an 80 so i think that if you're nikki Collin, you have to be like you said kind of conscious of that you have to be conscious of you know you don't need to play your starters for 30 minutes in a you know in the 16 seed game you, and you know maybe even heading into the eight seed game you know you, you try to put it away early but i think that once you get to that second weekend things kind of turn out okay. You know, you, you do have time between the games. You do have a week in between, obviously, the different rounds of the tournament. So uh, I think that they'll be okay, but but I think that you certainly always have to be cognizant of that because, you know, I mean, how many teams have, have lost out on the tournament because the key player got hurt, because the key player was exhausted, because, you know, because the team wasn't deep enough. And that's one thing, right, like historically with, with both of these uh, Baylor teams, you know, they've been so deep, but because of injuries, because of attrition, and obviously on the women's basketball side, because, you know, it, that's just kind of the state of the roster when Nikki Collin came in. You know, they're going to be put in, I think, in a little bit tougher position. So I, I think you do need to be co uh, conscious of it. But obviously, I mean, first and foremost, you, you have to win the game. That's a part of you. Let's uh, switch gears. Let's talk some football. Uh, Charlie Strong to Miami. Did you see that one coming? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I think that certainly Charlie Strong, after what happened with the Jacksonville Jaguars this past year, probably wasn't going to stick around in the NFL. And I think it's a great hire by Mario Cristobal. You know, he, he comes in as co-defensive coordinator. I assume that Kevin Steele is still going to be the, the primary play caller on that side of the ball. But, you know, in Charlie Strong, you get somebody who has deep, deep ties in the state of Florida. He's coached at the University of South Florida as head coach. He was at uh, the University of Florida at, in, with, over the course of four different stints uh, up in Gainesville. So you're talking about somebody who has really deep ties across the state of Florida and has great knowledge, uh, obviously has had success as a head coach you know, at Louisville. And so I think that you know, he's somebody who makes a lot of sense on that staff. And the other thing about uh, that staff, too, is that it's a little bit of a younger staff. You know? And so I think having somebody like Charlie Strong and also Kevin Steele as well come in and a chance to kind of put their fingerprints on that defense and put a, their fingerprints on that culture. I think it's only going to help them. And, you know, I mean, I do think that one thing about this too, is that, you know, when you look at Miami, I think that Miami just being where they are in the state of the program right now, they kind of need a little bit of sec influence, you know? And I think that, that getting Kevin Steele in there, getting Charlie strong in there, you know, these are people who just understand how sec programs work because they've spent so much time in them and had success in them, you know, obviously at Florida, at Auburn, et cetera. 
So I think that uh, that adding that to Mario Cristobal, I think it's going to be really valuable. And I think that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a no-brainer hire, I think, for both sides involved. You mentioned Kevin Steele. Are, are you surprised <laughs> that he didn't get another opportunity to be a head coach? Or maybe he did and, and chose not to? <laughs> Well, uh, to, to answer that question first, I'd ask uh, you know, the Baylor fans who were around at that time whether they're surprised that he didn't get another job as a head coach. And I, I don't think they'd be too surprised. But, you know, I think, I think it's interesting, right? I mean, if you are a coordinator like Kevin Steele, who's had a lot of success as a coordinator in his career, uh, you know, has, has really been considered one of the better coordinators in football for a while, the question is, right, are you going to get a job that's of comparable value, right? Because could he get a, you know, could he have gotten Troy? You know, maybe, I don't know. You know, could he have gotten uh, Georgia Southern, uh, something like that? But sure, maybe. But if you are Kevin Steele, I mean, you're making, in a lot of your past jobs, you're making close to $2 million a year, which is probably more than you're going to make as a group of five coach because he's so valued as a defensive mind. Uh, you know, so so the question just becomes, you know, are, are you just trying to prove something? Because I don't think he could have gotten another major college job. I, I, at least, you know, at least not in the short term. Maybe he could have gotten sort of a lower tier one at some point. But you know, people people have long memories when it comes to, to obviously struggling as a head coach. And so I, I think that for him, you know, it, it's kind of like before this past year, the Brent Venables thing, where it's like the lifestyle of being a defensive coordinator, especially at Auburn, where there was a lot of stability and he was able to have some deep roots. I, I think that was really attractive to him. And so, you know, I think it's a little bit of everything, right? I, I think it's, yes, he could have gotten a head coaching job, but the quality of head coaching job from his perspective, it's also, a, you know, a man who's getting up there in age, I, I don't think would have been worth it relative to kind of the lifestyle of being a really standout defensive coordinator. Were you at all surprised that Art Browse didn't make it seven days in Grambling? <laughs> yeah, not, not especially, honestly. I mean, the big thing about it, right, is that, to be the coach who hires, you know, our Bryles, I, I think, unfortunately, it, it often correlates with the coach who probably can't stop talking, right? And that's the thing that really doomed this in a lot of ways was not just the hire, but was really Hugh Jackson's response to it. And, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you have Doug Williams coming out who's the grambling man in a lot of ways and saying, I, I didn't want this and I didn't sign off on this. I mean, it, it's just chaos, right? And I think that to to be a program, if you're going to hire him, you need to be able to deal with that chaos. You know, Mount Vernon, you know, out in East Texas, they said, we're going to deal with it. We're just going to kind of ignore it and we're going to stand firm in our decision. And it's just a lot harder at the collegiate level because there's so many more stakeholders involved. You've got, uh, you've got the players, you've got the boosters, you've got the administration, you've got the coaching staff, and then you have, you know, fans. You have people again like Doug Williams. You don't have people like Doug Williams the same way, uh, you know. Vernon, we're going to speak out about stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, it, it's. I, I think that the way that it happened is is always a surprise. It always ends up being something or the other with with this story. But, uh, you know. For me, I wasn't especially surprised because I did think, you know, if, if you didn't get Doug Williams on the same page with you, if you didn't get administration on the same page with you, if, if you didn't kind of say, hey, Hugh Jackson, if you're going to speak out, it needs to be through us and not through your foundation Twitter account, uh, you know, I mean, then I, that really kind of shows how little planning went into it. And unfortunately, uh, it came back to bite them. Shayhan, what are you working on uh, right now? 
Yeah, we're, we're heading into spring practices this week. So I've got a story coming out on Oregon. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of profiling, especially some of the teams that have gone through major changes over the offseason. Obviously, Oregon uh, bringing in a new coaching staff. So, so I'll kind of have a preview of them on Wednesday. And we'll have a bunch more as the, the week set forward into spring training. And it's all on CBSSports.com. Hey, man, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to you soon. That's Shehan Jayaraja from CBSSports.com. It is uh, 3.32, uh, and this is game time. No, it's not. I beg your pardon. This is the John Morris Show on ESPN Central Texas. We're glad you're with us. John is traveling, and he'll uh, join you from Kansas City, Missouri. Well, you know, he could be in Kansas City, Kansas. I don't know. Uh, but he, he's going to be in Kansas City. Let's just put it to you that way. And uh, he'll talk to you tomorrow from KC uh, on the on the program at 3. Matt Mosley will be in Kansas City tomorrow as well. Uh, he'll be there beginning uh, tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock, so keep that in mind. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, Mark Neely does play-by-play for ESPN. will be in Kansas City as well to work some of the Big 12 games. He had a chance to visit with John Morris. We'll hear that conversation next on ESPN Central Texas. Baylor women's basketball from the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. The Big 12 champion Baylor women open play in the Big 12 tournament Friday in Kansas City. 1 p.m. for the countdown to tip-off. 1.30 tip-off Friday. Join Sophia Young-Malcolm and the voice of Baylor women's basketball, Derek Smith, from the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. Here on the home of the Bears, ESPN Central Texas. Some things never change, like the commitment to service and protection the Nitchi Group Insurance Agency has offered since 1949. Whether you're needing a new business policy to get your operations up and running, adding cyber liability for a remote workforce, or if you're needing to pause your current coverage, our team is here for the protection you need when you need it. Whatever your coverage needs, talk to the experts that care. Call the Nitchi Group to discuss your personal, commercial, and bonding insurance needs at 1-800-258-8302. Elevate your career with a new job at VersaLift Southwest, a time manufacturing company. VersaLift Southwest occupies a 16-acre state-of-the-art assembly and upfitting facility that develops and builds the world's best aerial lifts, digger derricks, and cable placers right here in Central Texas. They are now hiring hydraulic, electrical, and service technicians. They offer a great benefits package and outstanding starting pay. Drop by their location, 7601 Imperial Drive in Waco to apply. Game time, weekdays at 7 a.m. on ESPN Central Texas. Make your vehicle look and run like new again at CNC Collision Center. They're your locally owned and operated location for paint and body repairs, frame straightening, spray and bed liners, and wheel alignments. CNC Collision Center offers free estimates, and they'll also come to you for car pickup and delivery. Have your car restored to its original beauty. CNC Collision Center, 5849 North Highway 6 in Spiegelville at cccollisioncenter.com and on Facebook. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Ward Weinch with your ESPN Central Texas Sports Center update brought to you by Twisted Creek Ranch near Hamilton and Comanche. Find them at twistedcreektx.com. 
Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley has been suspended for at least the 2022 season after gambling on games in 2021. Cowboys have asked Demarcus Lawrence to take a pay cut. So far, he's rejected the idea. Cowboys also said they'll not use the franchise tag on Randy Gregory. Instead, they'll use the tag on tight end Dalton Schultz. Jim Littell will not return as Oklahoma State women's basketball coach next season, the school announced. He will coach the Big 12 tournament this week in Kansas City. Despite the MLB lockout, Mike Capps, the voice of the Round Rock Express, on with game time this morning, was asked if baseball will be affected in Round Rock. Absolutely zero, I'm proud to say. Um, we're going to start April the 5th against the El Paso Chihuahuas and play 150-game season. Sports Center every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. Add J-Mo. He's clever, isn't he? That is great. Yeah, he's going to Kansas City. He's already there. Or yeah. he's, uh, he's in the air as we speak. I think. I think. Uh, not sure. Three thirty. Anyway, like <laughs> he'll that. be here tomorrow, 3 o'clock. <laughs> 3.36. Uh, this is ESPN Central Texas and the John Moore Show. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Mark Neely does play-by-play for uh, ESPN. will be in Kansas City as well. He's going to be working some of the uh, – the games and John Morris had a chance to talk to to Mark about the Big 12 tournament and Big 12 basketball in general. On to Kansas City for sure. Looking forward to the uh, start of the Big 12 championships. One game on Wednesday. Majority of the games uh, begin on Thursday. Baylor will play Thursday evening against Oklahoma. Baylor, the number two seed. OU, the number seven seed in the tournament. That'll be at 6 p.m. from the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City coming up on Thursday. Really look forward to the trip there. Always great. Uh, Kansas City is such a great host city. And this is uh, some big deal, you know, when the tournament comes to Kansas City. Let's talk to a man who calls uh, Kansas City home. ESPN broadcaster Mark Neely joins us now. And, Mark, we appreciate your time and looking forward to come your way. Hey, John, you guys are always welcome up here. But my only uh, regret is that the weather has taken a turn for the worse. It, it was 70 degrees here on Saturday, and then we had snow on the ground late last night. Uh, so uh, it, it's only going to be in the 30s, uh, uh. so it's going to be a bit chilly. But uh, everything will be nice uh, inside uh, the T-Mobile Center. You know, the years we've been up there for this tournament, this time of year, I think we've seen everything. We've seen, like, beautiful spring weather. <laughs> we've seen bone-chilling cold. <laughs> this one's going to be kind of in the middle, so so we'll be prepared. But, uh, man, Kansas City, really, Kansas City really rolls out the uh, red carpet for this tournament. Yeah, they really do. It's been great. They've had the women, of course, uh, as well the last few years. So it mixes in well. You know, I have to think back to the days, uh, you know, when it was in the Metroplex or yeah. Oklahoma City. It's, it's, uh, it's been so many years in Kansas City. It seems like it's been a perfect fit. And, I, you know, I don't hear any complaints from, from schools or coaches, so I think it's worked really well for everybody. I think so. I think from every, you know, every angle, no matter how you look at it, that's the best place for the basketball tournament. And really a great history there, isn't it, when it goes back to the old Big 8 tournament that was there forever. Yeah, you know, Municipal Auditorium, where, where the women's tournament is, I, I, and that's still the place that has hosted the most Final Fours. I, you know, I guess eventually, sometime, that's going to change. But since there were so many of them there and great history uh, at Municipal Auditorium, it, it's an interesting place to kind of go in and look around because it hasn't changed a whole lot yeah. <laughs> since the 1940s and 50s in there. Oh, that's like a museum. I love going over there. It's uh, it's really cool, and that's a great spot for the women. And uh, we're staying, Mark, at that downtown Marriott, so we're right there 
obviously mm-hmm. across that uh, plaza from the municipal, but then just up the street from T-Mobile. So we love that location uh, right there in Kansas City. Um, let's talk about this season. Uh, you did a number of games. You probably saw everybody at some point over the course of the season. Uh, was this a- as competitive a year for Big 12 basketball as uh, as you've seen? It definitely so. And let me qualify first, John. Yes, I did see everybody, and I did see everybody in person. Okay. So the way okay. the season began, as you know, there was quite a bit of remote broadcasting like last year. But really for the last, you know, really, probably since mid-January through the end of the regular season here, uh, at least everything, almost everything for me has been in person, and I think that's the case for most of the ESPN announcers. So it was great to be on site where you really get a feel you know, for who's good, who's not, and, and, and how the teams are. But but you're right. I, I think top to bottom, and we've said this in so many different years, but it certainly stands for this year. Uh, anybody could beat anybody on any of it. You know, West Virginia was the only team that really went through significant losing. You know, they start the season 2-1 and one in conference play, and I think they were like 13-2 and two overall. And they had lost 14-15 and 15 and seven in a row before beating TCU the other night. Mm. Uh, in Morgantown to finish the regular season. And I thought TCU, I, I had the two TCU games against Kansas and Fort Worth then in Lawrence, and I thought TCU was playing about as well as they possibly could, uh, but they lose to West Virginia. So it, it's it, that was a perfect microcosm of, of what Wisconsin is here. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That's wild. And uh, you were part of that, uh, that back-to-back almost, a Tuesday-Thursday of TCU and Kansas what a great win by the Frogs that uh, that really helped Baylor's, uh, you know, cause to win a share of the Big 12 title when the Frogs won at Schollmeyer Arena. Yeah, I know we had uh, quite a few folks watching in Waco, and I think we mentioned that a time or two on air on the Tuesday and Thursday games. And, and being that the first game w- was in Fort Worth, talking with Bill Self before the game, he acknowledged, he said, hey, you know, those transfers that Jamie Dixon has brought in are really athletic. That could be a big problem for us. And it turned out to be that way. And then even after the second game on Thursday night in Allen Fieldhouse, Bill just came flat out and said, hey, they're not a good matchup for us. So I think that's one of the uh, matchup, potential matchups you look at. If TCU were to get by Texas and if Kansas were to beat either K-State or West Virginia, uh, then those two would meet uh, in the semifinals mm-hmm. on Friday. And I think that's a team Kansas does not want to see against TCU. Uh, and then the second game, I, I think you and I texted a little bit, and I thought that Kansas would just blow out TCU in the Thursday game, but that wasn't the case. I mean, give the Frogs credit again, go into Allen Fieldhouse and, and play them uh, a four-point game. Yeah, and, and Miles did not have a great game. He got into some foul trouble. Uh, Eddie Lampkin did as well. Uh, and, I, you know, I, David McCormick – KU fans have not exactly been kind to McCormick or really their point guard, Dewan Harris. But I, my response to the KU fans would be, hey, they are what they are. You know, that, I mean, Dewan Harris didn't come there saying that, hey, I'm a McDonald's All-American and I'm going to be your starting point guard and score 15 points a game, which he his I think he had eight or nine points in that game uh, against TCU, the second game, which was really big for Kansas. They are what they are. McCormick's been banged up. He's had foot injuries and all kinds of issues. And Eddie Lampkin just kind of wore him out uh, in that first game. And in the second game, McCormick played better against Lampkin. But I think he has some matchup problems against the TCU, like I said, that Bill uh, Bill Self definitely acknowledged. Mark Neely, Mark Neely, our guest, ESPN uh, broadcaster, has done Big 12 games uh, all year and many years. And, Mark, you've got good perspective on this. 
Um, the coach of the year, we talked about this on the show yesterday. It was won by Coach Drew this year, third consecutive year for Coach Drew. Now, where I'm coming from, I think that's absolutely the right choice just because of everything this team had to go through this year. Uh, but you, you step back and look at it. There were some other really good candidates for Coach of the Year this year. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, John, I would love to see how the voting broke down. Because mm-hmm. I, I, when you replace four starters off a national championship team and still do what Baylor did, you know, Scott is, is, is a high-profile candidate, and I'm not surprised at all that he won it. He, you know, Bill Self, he's going to be a candidate usually every year as well with the teams that Kansas puts out there. But I thought the two wild cards in there, you know, TJ Otzelberger for Iowa state, even though, you know, they didn't, you know, overpower anybody late in the season, they, they got the wins they needed. They had some really good non-conference wins. And when you don't win a conference game the year before and only two total games uh, the year prior, Otzelberger came in and did a tremendous job. So I, I, I imagine TJ probably got some votes. And then what Mark Adams did at, at Texas tech, uh, you know, when, when Chris Beard, rolls out of Lubbock and goes to Austin and, and wants Mark Adams to come with him. And Mark says, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to get the job here. Not getting on the plane with you to Austin. I'm going to stay here. He rolled the dice. It paid out really, it paid off for him really well. And Texas tech, you know, nobody could beat them at home this year. They, they were incredible. So I'm sure Mark Adams got some votes as well, but I'm not surprised at all. that Scott won it. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. Those are really good candidates. Really. We said Saturday when Baylor played Iowa state uh, on senior day, uh, I, Pat and I both said that we thought these were the two top candidates for Coach of the Year uh, because of what Otzelberger had done, turnaround there, 20-win team, when they were unanimous uh, pick for last in the league. So really, I thought it was between he and uh, Coach Drew for this. And, and it may have been. I'm like you. It'd be nice to see the voting breakdown on that. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because, of course, Texas Tech and Iowa State are going to play in the yeah. game after the Baylor OU game on, <laughs> on Thursday night. And the thing about that, Texas Tech obviously is really, really good. They've been ranked basically top 15 for most of the season. But for Iowa State, you know, they that's they call it Hilton South for a reason when they come to Kansas City. Their fans travel down here extremely well. And, you know, that can play a part in the game. No no question about it. So if I'm Tech, I'd be a little leery of, of Iowa State <laughs> in that first game because their fans are, I'm sure, going to be well represented. Uh, at the T-Mobile Center. Oh, they come in and they they really take over the city. Uh, they are well represented there. Another one I wanted to ask you about, Mark, was the uh, Defensive Players of the Year. First time ever it was a three-way tie for that award, and one of the guys was ours, uh, Jonathan Chumwa Chachua. I think that's a great, great uh, honor award for him in a really tough season. Yeah, you know, I, I, it was interesting to see that because you know, there was no – you know, Marcus Garrett, uh, but, you know, Cissé and Osaboyan and, and Sean Bochatua, and this is what happened to, to John uh, earlier in the year. It was interesting. That the, I'm with you. That was one I looked at. I'm like, whoa, whoa three guys? And right. I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I get that. I, I You know, I, I understand it. So it, it was – I think they did the right thing. Yeah, that's really nice. I love it for Jonathan. There's a great video floating around of uh, Coach Tang coming in the training room and giving Jonathan the news about that, how he found out. <laughs> it's just great. So uh, it, it's really nice for him to to get that award this year. All right, uh, Mark. I need to go find that because he, he's a great kid. But, I, you know, I've had some conversations with him on, on a number of occasions. And what a terrific kid. And I, and I hope things work out long-term well for him. Yeah, great guy. I mean, you're exactly right. He is a great guy. And I really uh, uh, hated that injury that he had. 
right, how do you think this tournament plays out? You know, you factor in some teams, you know, Baylor's there as the number two seed, but banged up. And, you know, Kansas, what's their motivation? You know, a lot of times I think this tournament comes down to motivation. Who's the most motivated team? Uh, how do you think things play out the rest of the week there in Kansas City? Well, I'm going to put me on the spot, but it's so hard, John. You know, you mentioned how, how how much parity there is in the league. I think the team, maybe in a twisted way, that has the most approved might be Texas. And, and and the reason I say that, and, and it was probably unfair for the group of transfers that Chris Beard collected and, and the holdovers that he had in Austin when the Associated Press in the preseason poll, they were ranked, I want to say, like number five. And so I think that set the bar really high for their fan base, maybe probably unfairly for Chris Beard and that team, because they were not that good then. Uh, and they really haven't been, I don't think, a top 10 team really all season. But they have got some excellent pieces, you know, Marcus Carr and, and Timmy Allen. I mean, there's some really good players there that I think in, in many ways, those that observe the Big 12 think that they have probably underperformed this year. So I think it may be the stage for them. But then again, you know, I wouldn't be stunned if they lost to TCU in their first game, uh, as well as TCU has been playing with the exception of the, the game they finished up at uh, in Morgantown on Saturday. Um, wide open. You know, I, I'll, just, I'll just leave it that way, John. I think the yeah. team that has maybe the most to prove might be Texas, because I'm with you. Kansas, you know, they, they share the, the conference title with the Blues. You know, what, what more – you know, what more incentive do they have getting ready for the NCAA tournament? As you mentioned, Baylor's been banged up. So I think Texas may be the team to watch. And, of course, they were the team that won it last year under a different head coach. Yeah, that's a good call. You might be exactly right there. Uh, you know, Tech, I'd say watch out for them there in the tournament as well. But from Baylor's perspective, our guys are banged up and the rest, you know, might do them, uh, you know, might do them well if they had a little extra rest. But – Baylor's never won the Big 12 tournament. Coach Drew has never won the Big 12 tournament, and I know they're going to go there, and they uh, hope to play three games and win it. Yeah, that would be something they'd love to add to, uh, you know, Scott's – it's going to, it's a Hall of Fame resume. I don't think anybody can doubt that, that Scott's, uh, you know, going to be there eventually. Uh, but for Texas Tech, I think for them, uh, even though it will be a neutral floor, uh, is to, to prove that they can play well on a neutral floor because they were dominant at home. You know, I had a number of games for them at home where – uh, they, they didn't lose all year, and they were good. You know, some nights really good on the road, and some nights they were not so good. So I, I think for a team that that went unbeaten at home, the only team in the conference to do that, how well are they going to play in a neutral setting? That's really leading them towards the NCAA tournament. Will be the well, they'll be dealing with that uh, night in, night out. Yeah, well, you're exactly right on that. All right, final thought, Mark. Uh, go into your memory banks here a little bit and tell me what was the best mm -hmm. game you did this year as far as drama, big win, came down to the wire. Was it that TCU-Kansas game, the first one in Fort Worth? Or what, what was the best game you did you saw this year? Well, it, it, for it, it's easy for me to answer this one. There have been a lot of great endings that I had this year. But the, the Texas game – at Texas Tech. Oh, Chris yeah. Beard came okay. back. <laughs> that, uh, Chris Patola and I had all, and it just had a totally different vibe than any other game I've ever done. The the vitriol spewed towards <laughs> their former head coach, the Texas Tech fans, towards Chris Beard. It was fascinating to watch. And, and I, you know, I felt for Chris in some ways. In some ways, I didn't. He's the one that opted to leave to go to his alma mater, Texas. 
But to watch that from the night before with the shoot around, when Texas came there and the way the students reacted and then the game, it, 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 <laughs> and their fans uh, at United Supermarkets Arena, they let Chris Beard have it for all 40 minutes of that game and never let up. And, you know, there might have been a few bits of profanity, and, uh, but, but, but for the most <laughs> part, they didn't take it over the top. But it just made for really intriguing television because it, it, it was nothing like anything I've ever – we've had great environments, you know, whether you go in, uh, into the Ferrell Center or Allen Fieldhouse, or, uh, but it, it, it was fascinating. So that, that would be the one at the top of my list for yep, this year. Yep, yep, good call. If I'd remembered you did that game, that's, that's what I would have thought you would have answered. Hey, man, it's great <laughs> to talk to you. Looking forward to uh, coming your way, and I'll see you over there at the arena this week. Sounds great. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. All right, Mark. Thanks very much. Appreciate all your good work. Mark Neely with ESPN uh, has done a number of Big 12 games uh, throughout this year and through the years. Really has his finger on the pulse of the league, and he's right there, lives right there in Kansas City as well. We'll see him over there at the uh, arena as the games begin. We'll take a break. Be back with more in just a moment. John Morris Show. Tom and Aaron are back with more right after this here on ESPN Central Texas. Matt Mosley, weekdays at 4 p.m. on ESPN Central Texas. Have you been tagged yet again in an engagement ring photo? Are hints being dropped all around you? Rest assured, D'Amore Fine Jewelers has been rescuing men seeking the perfect ring for over 25 years. Come in with a picture of her dream ring and we'll make it a reality. With our five-year financing, custom design team, and selection of diamonds, we'll make the whole process fun and enjoyable. DMRA Fine Jewelers on West Waco Drive. Each new year brings a renewed sense of resolve to live life better, which means it's a great time to talk about the state of your personal wealth. I'm Joe Kaleo. If you'd like to start the year with a more robust wealth strategy, we'll help you find new opportunities to meet your goals. Kaleo Wealth Management is a Central Texas team of UBS Financial Services, member FINRA SIPC. Follow the Bears throughout the NCAA tournament on ESPN Central Texas. Since opening their doors in 1925, Wilkerson Hatch Bailey Funeral Home has been honored to serve families like yours by providing a range of funeral services. Whether it's a traditional funeral, a graveside service, memorial service, or cremation, they believe every life deserves to be honored in a way that brings peace to families. Five generations of the Wilkerson Hatch Bailey Funeral Home family have helped tens of thousands of Central Texans celebrate the lives of loved ones. Learn more at whbfamily.com. At ASCO, we don't spend time getting ready, we are ready. That's what it means when we say we're on it. We're on it with dedicated service and support, rentals, sales, and delivery. We're on it with Case Construction Equipment, equipment that's powerful, efficient, and dependable. Case Equipment that can dominate a job site, endure the elements, and be up and running whenever you're ready to finish the job. At ASCO, we're on it, whatever it is. Three fifty-four. This is the John Morris Show here on ESPN Central Texas. Again, John will be with us uh, live from Kansas City tomorrow afternoon at uh, four o'clock. So will the Matt Mosley Show. It will originate from uh, from Kansas City. Coming up at four o'clock. We're sending our best and Matt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Somehow we uh, 
the the uh, award winning morning program Game Time heard weekdays seven to nine. Didn't was make was the omitted. List. Didn't make from, the list. Was omitted on the uh, on the manifest. <laughs> I don't know how that worked out like that. Uh, so we'll we'll hang out here with you guys, you know, and watch it on television and listen to it on radio and all that kind of stuff. But you can, you can write it down. I, I'm thinking the Bears are a one seed in the South which will have them playing their first two games in Fort Worth, their next two games in San Antonio, before making the journey to New Orleans. I got it kind of mapped out. And those and the morning show will be there for those, by is, the way. And and they keep winning. It should be pretty cool. It should look like and sound like home games. Should. I, I remember when they made their run uh, watching them uh, in the Sweet 16 and then losing to Duke in the Elite Eight. Um, and uh, – Boy, it was, there was so much green and gold down there in Houston. I, I want to see if Baylor fans turn Dickey's Arena into a home court like the Razorback fans used to turn <laughs> Reunion <laughs> Arena during the old Southwest Conference days. That I was, mean, that was Barnhill South. It was. It was something else. Is this going to be Farrell North? I hope. We'll see, yeah. They, well, I hope so, too. We'll find out. Just your opinion, because I, I don't get to talk to you much. Uh, you sleep till lunch, uh, <laughs> and I do mornings. You uh, do you have two teams from the Big Twelve on the one line, or both Kansas and Baylor one seeds? I think Kansas will probably be a two seed unless they win the Big what, Twelve tournament. Gonna, uh, if so, they win the Big Twelve tournament, I think that the Big Twelve gets two one seeds. I think Baylor is a one seed no matter what. Okay, so Kansas has something to play for. Mm-hmm. Tech has something to play for, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- they they could could I think Tech could move up, maybe to the to the two line if they, if they make a run and win the tournament. Maybe yeah, they're, I think they're close. And Mark was talking about Texas. He's still not sure what to make of Chris Beard's Texas Longhorns, and I I agree with him. I mean, they can play really really poor, and they can play really really well, and you don't know which team is going to hit the floor. Yeah, they're talented enough to and to beat anybody. It's kind of cliche, but it's true with the Texas team. They yeah, they have enough talent to beat anybody in the country, mm-hmm. including Gonzaga, Kansas, Baylor if they're on that night. And, and they can get run out of the gym absolutely just as easy. I they mean, could, and they've done they it. They can also lose to those three teams by 30. Yeah. I mean, so we'll see. Uh it, it, they are very intriguing. They are. They're and you pointed out they got great talent, outstanding coaching, but for whatever reason it just hasn't hasn't meshed the way they had hoped for. It, but you never know. I mean, you can get hot in the in postseason and make that run. So that's what makes postseason so much fun. And, and we begin with the, the Baylor men on Thursday and the Baylor women on Friday right here on ESPN Radio. Uh, and uh, we'll have all the games right here on your flagship station for Baylor Athletics. All right, uh, that is going to do it for us. We had fun. Again, John's back with you tomorrow at 3. Matt Mosley's coming up next right here on ESPN Central Texas. Tom Barfield's just sitting there looking at his watch right now. Guys, I'm ready to take over.